0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today's guest has a new book that just came out yesterday. It's already a bestseller on Amazon, and we're going to all help make it even a bigger bestseller by buying it today or very soon this week would be great. He's been on the show before. He's done tremendous work with the Blue Zones. He is none other than Dan Buettner, and his new book is called The Blue Zones Challenge. Welcome him back to the show. It's really great to see you. Congratulations. The book is already climbing the charts.
1: Yes, it's a bestseller, as you mentioned, on Amazon and longevity and several other categories. But yeah, it feels good.
0: Thank you. And vegetarian as well. Last time I checked, it was number one in vegetarian books.
1: That's right. Yep. The book is 100% whole food plant based. And um, yeah, so we're big, we we're big believers that that's the way to eat to be 100.
0: Did you start out when you started your research with the Blue Zones? Were you yourself plant based at the time? Or was what you learned helped propel you towards this?
1: What I learned, I wasn't at all plant based before I started. And, you know, you spend 20 years with around people who are making it into their 90s and 100s without uh, diabetes and and heart disease and cancer and, and you get a wake up call. So, um, you know, nobody convinced me Just I've just observed people making it to hundred.
0: Are you still in touch with all the people you met in all five blue zones? Do you guys have like, like little Facebook groups or zoom meetings or anything like that?
1: You know, I'm not the sad, the sad part about uh, making friends with centenarians is they have a life expectancy of about two years. So, um, you know, even though they've made it to 100, they, they, I've lost a lot of really good friends just to, the, you know, the aging process. But I have a lot of young people my age, Thea in Icaria, Gianni Pes in Sardinia, Jorge and in, in uh, Nicoya, po- Costa Rica. So, yes, I know who to call when I land.
0: That is fantastic. So I imagine all the places you traveled, all the blue zones, you didn't see a lot of overweight people, if any.
1: No. And um, traditionally speaking in the blue zones, fewer than 2% of people are obese. So the, the same techniques AJU use to help people cook their way to health and, and um, their optimal weight is pretty much the same thing you do if you want to you know, maximize the capacity of your body, the age capacity.
0: Why do you think at least in the United States, well, there is one blue zone in the United States, Loma Linda, but in general, why have obesity rates skyrocketed?
1: Two things. So the number of fast food restaurants, 1980, 15% of Americans were obese. We're now over 45%. So that's a tripling of the obesity rate. Um, The same time, the number of fast food restaurants has gone up by a factor of 20. So, and uh, almost every retail outlet from everything, from where we get our tires changed to where we pick up our diabetes medicine, forces us to route through a gauntlet of sugar sweetened beverages and highly processed foods and uh, salty snacks. And AJ, we are genetically hardwired to crave those foods, to crave fat, to crave salt, to crave sugar, because that's how we uh, evolved. I mean, we needed those things, but we evolved in an environment of scarcity and hardship. And now we're in an increasingly toxic environment where we can't escape those empty calories. Uh, the other thing that's has happened is, you know, we've engineered food for maximal taste. And, uh, you know, the, the Doritos, you know, they have the famous bliss point, you know, they taste perfect salt and sweet and spice, uh, but they're nutritionally empty. And uh, so while uh, the foods are engineered to, to make us uh, uh, unleash endorphins and and, and make us enjoy the taste, but they leave our bodies starving and hungering for more and um, craving. Um, so there's a great book out called The End of Craving, I, I recommend for everybody that just oh, explains- Oh, I just had
0: him on the show. I just had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, Mark Schatzker.
1: Matt, yes, he wrote an amazing book. I was really, in, uh, I was really impressed with that. Um, so, you know, I'm sure he, so it's in a combination of how we engineered our food, but I argue mostly it's it's how we've um, uh, how our environment has our food environment's become so toxic. It's almost impossible to escape junk food.
0: Right. Well, how is the environment different in the
1: blue zones? The cheapest, most accessible uh, foods are peasant food, whole plant-based foods, and they there are time-honored recipes to make it taste delicious. People gather around these foods. Uh, it's not to say there isn't some meat uh, and cheese but those are celebratory foods those are foods you have on Sunday after church or at a wedding or an anniversary not your everyday foods and um, yeah in, in, in blue zones I you know a thousand we eat about 1100 meals a year a thousand of those meals are going to be simple peasant food the type of food we evolved with for the last Twenty thousand generations or so, so our bodies recognize it, know what to do with it, and um, you know need the nutrients they provide. Yeah,
0: well, it sounds like for the people in the blue zones, the healthy choice is pretty much the only choice. Uh, it's it's certainly the easy choice, and
1: sadly though the the standard American diet and the, our food influences are are uh, encroaching and uh, really eroding a lot of these blue zones. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I my it breaks my heart. You go to Nicoya, Costa Rica, and the first thing you see is a KFC. And you know that's not gonna be a long-lived area for long.
0: Yeah. Well, how do we here make the healthy choice, the easy choice? How can your book, The Plant-Based Challenge, help us with that, Dan? Blue Zone Challenge. Um
1: what did, you say? I'm yeah. so sorry. What did I call it? The plant-based challenge. I'm sorry. There... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hold the book up so everybody can see it.
1: Yeah, here. it is. Way, I think it's backwards, but it's it's that's the blue zone challenge right there.
0: In a way, it is a plant-based challenge too.
1: It really is. Yes. No. Technically, you're correct, um, because we ask you to go 100% whole food plant-based for for four weeks, because we, you know, we know research shows that after just a day, your mind uh, is clearer. After about three days, you have more energy. After two weeks, uh, many people with uh, acne and other skin problems, that starts to clear up. Your, uh, your digestive system starts to move more smoothly after a couple weeks, if you know what I mean. After three weeks, your mortality is down. And by the way, we just had 1,100 people from the Adventist Health System take the Blue Zone Challenge for four weeks. And the average person lost 3.5 pounds. So it's a, you know, we, this is not a diet. It is setting up your life. So you mindlessly make better food decisions, uh, conscious, unconsciously. And that's what seems to work. I didn't really answer your question, but you want to repeat the question?
0: Well, well um, yeah. How, how do we make the healthy choice, the easy choice? Cause like you said, there's a fast food restaurant on every corner now, 7-Eleven open 24 hours.
1: Yes. I think, um, first of all, every time you go out to eat, you consume about 300 more calories than you do if you eat at home. So the first thing to do is learn how to cook at home. The more you can cook at home, the better you can control the calories that go in your mouth. Number two, there's several things you can do to your kitchen that will uh, engineer bad calories out of your diet. Uh, First of all, um, taking your television out of your kitchen. Uh, Research shows that if we're, if we have a, kit, a TV in our kitchen, we're watching TV while we we tend to eat uh, to our favorite show. Um, taking the toaster off of the kitchen counter. Uh, most Americans are on what I call a seafood diet. We tend to eat the food we see. And uh, a toaster prompts us to put something in the toaster. And most of what we put in a toaster isn't all that good for us. So uh, Cornell Food Lab did an interesting study, followed people who took the toaster off the counter and compared it with people who kept the toaster on. And the people who took toasters off weighed six pounds less after two years. So these mindless little calories really add up, especially if they're junky junky calories.
0: You said, I believe that the average American goes out to eat something like 115 times a year. That's right. That's a lot of excess calories.
1: Yeah, and 300 extra calories every time. And uh, you know, often the cheapest uh, component to uh, going out to eat is the food. So they they tend to overfeed us uh, when we go out to eat, and um, that food restaurant food tends to be higher in sodium. Uh, it's very hard in most restaurants, the vast majority of restaurants, to find a a, a healthy plant based entree that actually tastes good. You know. You have to go to Love Life Cafe in Miami or Crossroads in Los Angeles. There's just not a lot of places where there's wonderful plant-based food.
0: Yeah. What, what, when you met the people in the Blue Zones, what do they think of us? I don't, well,
1: that's a, nobody's ever asked me that question.
0: Well, then I'm glad. You know, I- they,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think the important thing to realize is they're not different than us. And, and, you know, they're Italians, they're Greeks, they're Costa Ricans, they're Japanese. You know, they just live in a sort of remote region of that. And um, for the most part, they didn't, they didn't even realize that they lived a long time. They were just living their lives. and It wasn't until I showed up and said, hey, you guys are living a long time uh, that they're shocked. But I don't, think, um, I don't think they think any different than us, than any average European or Asian would.
0: Right. You know, I find it so interesting because Loma Linda being the only blue zones in the United States, you, you were mentioning that how now in Costa Rica, there's a KFC, it wasn't always there, but the junk was always in Loma Linda, how, how they seem to be maybe more and more, more immune to it. So the Seventh Day Adventist in Loma Linda, well,
1: you know, uh, actually there was no mcdonald's there when i first uh identified it as a blue zone that came about four years later and the new york times actually called me and asked me what i thought of it and i said sadly it, it could very well be the uh demise of this wonderful blue zone adventists uh, take their diet directly from the bible There, uh, genesis chapter one verse 26 uh every plant that bears seed so that tends to be um Beans and grains and nuts and so forth. And then every tree that uh, bears fruit. So that's your citrus and apples and avocados, et cetera, and then green plants. So the Adventists, first of all, they run the best hospitals in the country. Uh, the, many of the best doctors are Adventists. Loma Linda University is one of the best uh, u- universities for putting out uh, health uh, professionals in the nutrition area. So it's a beautiful fusion of both a religious tradition that, that um, uh, celebrates eating plant-based and a scientific community that understands why it's important. So uh, it's no coincidence. They're li- li- living between seven and 10 years longer than the rest of us.
0: Yeah. You have some fun tests in the book, like the true vitality test. What will those tests take? Tell us about ourselves.
1: So, we developed a uh, true vitality test with the university of Minnesota and it takes CDC life table data for, you know, let's say you are a, a white female age 48 or something. And uh, you given you given that um, we know how long you will live. And the true vitality test is an algorithm that asks you a number of questions about your lifestyle and your habits. Uh, And we can adjust the age accordingly. And I can calculate within probably a 10% uh, margin of error uh, with how long you're going to live against the most accurate tests in the world, you know, the super expensive ones. Uh, But yeah, so the the book, by the way, has a QR code in it. So there's a rudimentary one you can just take in the book, but it will connect you to a website that has a very sophisticated algorithm. And it won't only calculate how long you're going to live, it'll calculate when a chronic disease is expected to first appear in your life, and also the things you can do to maximize your life expectancy.
0: And you also have another test, the true happiness test.
1: We did that with the University of, of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I, I wrote a cover story for National Geographic in the book, The True The Blue Zones of Happiness, that like longevity... We tried to find the evidence-based, the data-based characteristics that help you uh, maximize your happiness. And from that research, we distilled the uh, true happiness test. I'm going to get rid of this noise for you.
0: Sure. No problem. Guys, check out the book. I'll put the link in the show notes and in the chat. It's a wonderful book. You talk about, am I saying it right? Ikigai, your ikigai? Yes.
1: So- uh, that's an Okinawan adage or Okinawan term that m- roughly means uh, the reason for which you wake up in the morning. And uh, every blue zone has vocabulary for purpose. Uh, there's a famous study done by the uh, the first director of the National Institute on Aging. His name was Dr. Robert Butler, a great uh, scientist. But he examined the writings of people uh, um, 40, 50 years ago and found that the people who could articulate their sense of purpose, were living about eight years longer than people who appeared rudderless. And uh, if, if you could put ikigai or purpose in a capsule, it'd be a blockbuster drug. Uh, you don't hear a lot about it because marketers can't make a lot of money off of it. And it's not an overnight fix, but it's powerful for both uh, longevity and happiness. And in the in the Blue Zone Challenge, we take some state-of-the-art um assessment tools to help you really identify your sense of purpose and the important part is thinking about putting it to work uh, in your life.
0: How does one find their purpose if they don't know what it is? Adia,
1: I think one of the best ways is sit in a quiet room with a blank screen or a piece of paper and uh, make yourself four columns. The first column are are, is your label. It your values. The second column label it your passions or what you're good at. Um, the third column should be what you like to do, and then the fourth column is an outlet. And you start populating those columns. Just one or two words. I'm uh, I'm good at cooking. I, um, I, I'm, um, I I I'm good at starting a conversation. I'm good at at uh, resolving disputes, I'm good at uh, supporting people. And um, so, when you find the cross section of, of your values, what you're good at, what you like to do, uh, then finding a, an outlet for it. And when you can fill in all four of those columns, uh, you have your sense of purpose. Nice. So, I'll give you mine, for example. I don't know if I, it always sounds a little vague when you tell people that, but I am very clear that my purpose is to. I explore the traditional peoples of the world, take enough time so I can understand their wisdom and then bring their wisdom back and put it to work in our lives. That's what I wake up every morning to do. I'm on fire to do it. Uh, It's not only my professional passion, but it's my personal passion. And um, you know, I've been reasonably successful at it, not because I kill myself to do it, but because it fuels my heart, my soul and puts my talents to work
0: yeah that's sort of like
1: sort of like cooking for somebody I know yeah for somebody else on this podcast
0: yep I mean right before we we logged on I asked you about pets and if that was a common denominator in the five blue zones because for me they're they're stress relief they're exercise and I'm wondering if that contributes to longevity having a dog or a cat or a bird
1: so people who own a dog are about half as likely to be obese as
0: non-dog owners.
1: We don't have the research on birds or, or cats, but dogs seem to convey even an extra nudge because dogs need to be walked every day and the dog gets walked, You know, the human also gets walked. But also there's studies that show that just the act of petting a dog lowers cortisol levels. And the, the whole point of the Blue Zone Challenge are how do we set up our life for the long run. So the healthy choice, we're nudged into the healthy choice. We're not, we don't ask you to get on a diet, to remember things, to restrict your habits. We ask you to put, uh, uh, set up your home life, your work life, your social life, uh, your kitchen life. So your uh, evidence-based nudges. And one of the better nudges, quite honestly, is adopting a dog.
0: Yeah. You don't have one though, right?
1: No, I don't have a dog. I travel too much. It wouldn't be fair to the dog. I'm on. I'm gone 200 days a year, but I have a lovely daughter, and she's my pet.
0: Her (laughs) name's Irene. (laughs) Did Did most of the people in blue zones have a dog?
1: Um, Yes, they. You know, they 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 have a families have a dog. We don't quite have the. You know, dogs tend to be uh, working parts of the family. So in, in Sardinia. There's always shepherd dogs that help with the sheep and uh, you see that in Nicaria with the goats and, and uh, in uh, Costa Rica they're often uh, spent a lot of time um, clearing brush and so forth and the dog is right next to them so they're they're not lap dogs, <laughs> they are dogs that help get things done but they have a good relationship with them. Um,
0: there's some nice comments in the chat. I would like to read you from PJ. Glad to see Dan Butner today. I have all his other books except for this one, The Blue Zones Challenge. Is this a new book? Yes, it's already a bestseller. It just came out yesterday. So I'll provide a link so you guys can get it. It's, a, it's an easy read. It's a, it's a really nice book. And I hope you guys will check it out. And we have a, a viewer named Bullion who's saying, could you please ask Dan if there are people in the Blue Zones who are fully vegan?
1: Uh, the answer is yes. Um, some consciously, some unconsciously. So we know in Okinawa, the longest-lived women in the history of the world, by the way, about thirty times more female centenarians, traditionally speaking, they uh, they didn't they simply didn't have access to animal products for much of the last hundred years. Ninety-eight uh, percent of what they ate was uh, plant-based. Uh, but there's a lot of ve- Seventh Day Adventist vegans. It's, a, it's a, probably a, a considerable percentage. And uh, something called the Adventist House Study followed 101,000 Americans. So this isn't far away people who are different than the rest of us. These are people who live next door. And uh, put them in four categories. The meat eaters, the avolacto-vegetarians, so they're vegetarians who drink milk and dairy, eggs. Um, the pescatarians, and then the vegans. And the longest lived people were the vegans and the pescatarians. And not only that, the vegans after, uh, well, after 20 years, uh, five foot, eight inch tall, they weigh on average 20 pounds less than their animal pro- than their you know, meat eating counterparts. So it, that, that data seems to suggest that just the act of going you know forget everything forget supplements forget trying to restrict yourself forget counting calories just the act of going plant based at the population level sheds 20 pounds off your waistline what could be
0: easier than that aj nothing no, that's amazing <laughs> so susanna who's watching live says i love dan's book so much any thoughts on doing a documentary film it's amazing but so many people still have not heard of the blue zones
1: Yeah, our day has come. I can't I can't say uh, what uh, what um, a streaming service it is, but we are uh, in the process of making a four part documentary, very high production values, which is what I'll be doing most of the spring. So thank you for asking that question. And uh, by this time next year, we hope to uh, hope to be coming to a screen near you.
0: Yeah, wow, that'll be fantastic. Well, please come on when that happens and we'll promote it. You know, what I was thinking is I was recently at Sprouts and Forks Over Knives sells meals. Like what about having like Blue Zones meals? Yeah,
1: we're thinking about doing that as well. You know, up until this point, uh, you know, I work for National Geographic and I, I've tried not to sell stuff because once you start selling things, Uh, you know, people start wondering, well, what's your, what's your true motive here? The only thing you can buy of mine right now is my book. And, um, um, so, um, you know, a lot of these sort of diet plans and plant paradox people, you know, they, they sell you a way of eating and then you go to their website and coincidentally, there's a bunch of supplements to, to, um, uh support their their uh, their theories and and uh, i like to keep it pure but who knows i i may have food soon as long as it's 100 percent whole food plant-based
0: that'd be amazing victoria says can you please ask dan what is his favorite blue zone i will move there
1: uh well i have two of them um Costa Rica, and the, that's the one I, I suggest you go visit because you can drive there from the United States. It's safe. It's warm. People speak English. Uh, there's beaches. The Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica is amazing. Um, but I have kind of a parallel family in Icaria. Uh, there's a guest house called Fea's Guest House run by a woman born in Detroit of Icarian heritage who fell in love with an Icarian man. and there is no better place in the world to experience a blue zone than checking into her guest house. It's surround, you overlooking the Aegean, you're surrounded by uh, gardens. Her husband, all he does is grow fantastic blue zones, organic vegetables and are served in the, in the restaurant. And uh, people from all over the world come together who are interested in longevity. And, and uh, that's, that's my, I was just there about a month ago. It's my favorite place to go. I like to touch bases there once every other year or so
0: that is so great which which food was your favorite in all five blue zones if you had to pick one cuisine uh favorite cuisine is
1: uh the ikarian cuisine uh greek essentially it's the Icarians. ikaria is a uh island uh in the in the eastern aegean very close to turkey where icarus supposedly fell in the uh, ocean um but um that has the purest, uh, uh, version of the Mediterranean diet in the world. And, you know, I have a recipe in the, in the blue zone challenge called, uh, a longevity stew made with fennel, uh, a food we don't eat a lot of, but, uh, it conveys this sort of, uh, almost like anise, like almost a some slight licorice taste. And, um, you know, there's just these brilliant recipes that, have evolved over the past 500 years and um, it fuses Eastern influences and Western influences. And, um, you know, which brings up a really good point. People ask me, what's the most important longevity food? And I could point, I could say, well, you know, there's an argument that tofu or bitter melon has compounds that lowers uh, blood sugar or, um, uh, fermented tofu. But if you don't like those foods, you're not going to eat them. The most important ingredient is taste. Uh, If if you can figure out how to make whole plant-based food taste delicious, you've got it nailed because I don't have to convince you to eat it for your health. I don't have to convince you to eat it because it's easier on animal cruelty. I don't have to convince you because it's good for the environment. And by the way, most people really don't care about those things on a day-to-day basis they may care in general but i'll tell you what you show them how to uh make delicious plant-based food like you do and you give them a gift of life and a gift of happiness
0: i love that the most important ingredient is taste because you're right if it doesn't taste good they're not going to stick with it
1: that's
0: yeah so in the Okinawans, at one point, I read somewhere that at one point, they were eating something like 70% of their calories from sweet potatoes. Was it the purple ones that are really sweet, like the kind they have in Hawaii? Was that the type of potato they were eating?
1: Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's uh, technically a yam, but uh, it tastes a lot like a, like a regular sweet potato. But that, that purple uh, is indica- indicative of the same antioxidants you find in blueberries, in fact, about 150% more of that antioxidant and then blueberries. And the reason people ate it 70%, they weren't like, well, I'm in this longevity diet. I'm going to eat the sweet potatoes every day. They ate it because typhoons came through Okinawa a couple times a year and they'd wipe out all the terrestrial crops, and sweet potatoes grow underground. So they they were there and they preserved for a long time and they were cheap. And, you know, a lot of people kind of you talk to these hundred year olds. They're sick of eating them. Uh, but but uh, there's so many great recipes. I'm going to turn on a light here so you can see sure. me better.
0: That's funny that they're sick of eating them because I find them to be the most delicious sweet potatoes. They're hard to find sometimes in the United States, but you can get them order them from Hawaii. And they're amazing. yeah. I I've got go. some for Dr. McDougall for a present. I think they're, I just think they're delicious, those purple ones.
1: You should put that in the notes on how to order those. I know they show up at Whole Foods with some frequency. And it depends um,
0: where you live. Yeah. It depends where you yeah. live. So here's a question from Singh. Can you drink any wine or is it the Greek wine that is especially good for you?
1: Uh, well, the epidemiology is done on any wine, so uh, and it's one to two glasses a day. Actually, lower mortality rates, and that's the those are studies I believe overall, and I believe it because what I've I've, I've observed in blue zone, But there's actually, if you Google blue zones wine, it's a Cananau, it's a Grenache grape. They, the uh, Sardinians call it um, Vino nero, and the reason it's so vino uh, Nero means black wine. The reason it's so deeply red is because it's so thick um, in antioxidants. Most of the antioxidants are found in the pigment itself. Um, so, uh, any wine, a little bit of wine every day with a meal, you'll increase the antioxidant absorption, lowers cortisol. Uh, but um, you know, you get an extra little boost if you get that blue zones wine.
0: Well, what about the the Loma Linda Blue Zones? They don't drink any wine.
1: Well, two things there. First of all, they're not supposed to drink wine, but about half of Adventists do drink wine. It's a dirty little secret. Um, the, The second thing to realize, there's no silver bullet. You know, as the Blue Zone Challenge outlines, there's probably 15 or 20 small things that converge to produce a long life, um, you know, eating plant-based diet probably adds six years to your life expectancy. Uh, sleeping eight to nine and a half hours a, a day adds probably uh, an extra year. Being married adds uh, uh, two or three years to your life expectancy. Belonging to a faith adds years to your life expectancy. So, and a lot of them overlap. So, having a good social network and belonging to a faith they're, they, they're both driving the same life expectancy, uh, bumps. So, um, you don't have to do all the things that I outline. Um, but the more you do just the more the deck is stacked in favor of, of a longer life. And let me just be clear on one thing. Nobody can tell you they're going to live to a hundred, uh, living to a hundred America is still one out of 2,500 people. But the average American, people listening to us right now, AJ, the average set of genes, you should be able to make it to about 93, especially if you're a woman. Life expectancy now is 80. So we're leaving about a dozen, dozen years on the table here that we should be getting. And uh, Blue Zones just gives you the um, toolkit to, to get those extra 13 years.
0: And it's not that we're just leaving years on the table, Dan. People are dying sicker with much more debility than ever before.
1: That's right. Um, yes, we have 71% of people with uh, obese or overweight. In 1980, um, I mentioned before that only 15% of people were obese. Also, we had about one-seventh as many people suffering from diabetes and pre-diabetes. So, yeah, we're the, the blue zone path to longevity is not increasing the capacity, the aging capacity of your body. What it is teaching you how to do is to set up your life uh, so you don't get the chronic diseases that foreshorten your life. Heart disease, diabetes, several types of cancer, including breast, prostate, and cancers of the GI tract, and dementia. Those are all mostly avoidable chronic disease. You would never get. Nobody would get type two diabetes if they had 100% whole food, uh, plant based diet. You almost nobody would die of a heart attack. Uh, type one diabetes is still an issue, but you most of the diseases for short killing us, costing our country 3.7 trillion dollars a year, are avoidable diseases because I would argue it's mostly because our environment. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Rachel says, if this isn't too morbid to ask, how do the people in the blue zones die?
1: Well, our bodies are all come with an expiration date. You know, the, the, every mammal on earth uh, is, is put on this earth, evolutionarily speaking to uh, procreate. And if you look at the life expectancy of almost every mammal in the world, it's about two and a half times the age of procreation. So, uh, you can start um, having babies at uh, age 15, um, two and a half times, that's uh, what, 37 or something like that. Well, it turns out for the vast majority of human history, life expectancy has been about 35. It got up to about age 50 in 1900. So, um, our, and then, you know, we're programmed to, um, you know, our bodies to wear out and get out of the way for the next generation so, you know, we can evolve as a species. Now, we've done very good. We've done a very good job in this country and many other developed and eliminating infectious diseases, malaria and giardia and dysentery and cholera and diarrhea and, and gangrene. Um, and 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 now we're, you know, now the problem is, is chronic diseases. But Every time the vast majority of the cells in our body replicate every seven years. Uh, Deepak Chopra has this great saying we are more a verb than we are a noun. You're sitting here looking at me right now, AJ. Uh, The person I would look at seven years ago is almost none of the cells, almost none of the cells, except maybe some cardiac cells, some brain cells, and some gonad cells, but the hair you just touched that wasn't there. The epidermis on your face, that wasn't there. That's all new. But every time that the cells replicate themselves, there's a doubling of damage, doubling of genetic and cellular damage. And as that uh, damage builds up over time, that's what causes our skin to wrinkle and our arteries to harden and our brains to shrink. So um, a 65-year-old is aging at a rate of about 125 times faster than a 12 year old. And seven years later, they'll be aging at a rate of 250 times faster. So we get to a certain age and that's about early nineties when our bodies have just taken on so much uh, cellular molecular damage that the the machine just breaks. And another good analogy, Notice that there's almost no 100-year-old cars on the streets today. We, we can't figure out how to make a car that lasts 100 years. Um, so to ask that of our body is a big ask.
0: Yeah. Um, Bullient who's watching live, says, are, are some of the Blue Zones eating more raw food than cooked foods than others? I would imagine Costa Rica probably.
1: That's exactly right. Because they all have backyard gardens, papayas, mangoes, uh, avocados, there's a lot, there's it's just a cornucopia of beautiful, uh, of tropical fruits that that they can eat almost year round.
0: That's great. So Susanna says, where did that question go? I bought a couple of meditation cushions after reading about the Okinawan women sitting on the floor. Do they really get up and down from the floor all day long?
1: Yes, they do. In fact, you know, I have this great editor for National Geographic. His name is Peter Miller. And uh, he sat down with me before I went on assignment. He said, you know, when you meet these centenarians, don't just interviews, move in with them. And I moved in with a 104-year-old woman. And I actually watched her. I counted her getting up and down 34 times, 104 years old, getting down from, up and down from the floor. Now, part of the reason people live a long time in, in Okinawa is because they eat plant-based and they have good social connection. But they also about have about one-fifth the number of fatal falls that American older people do. And I believe that's because instead of sitting in furniture, they're getting that, my, that unconscious workout from getting up and down from your seat uh, all these days, and they have better lower body, lower body balance. And by the way, one of the suggestions I make in the Blue Zone Challenge is to have slightly lower furniture. Uh, because that's going to force just a little extra workout every time you get up. And that makes a difference that, you know, we think that we only get conditioning in the gym, but actually we get a lot more conditioning unconsciously through the way that our, uh, we move through the day.
0: It's funny you said that because about three years ago, I moved from LA to the Palm Springs area and I live in a 55 and older community. And when you like do your upgrades or, you know, you look for like the tile you want and the paint you want. They make the toilets now so that you like basically like don't even have to sit down because people can't even get up off a toilet apparently in the United States. It's a pity. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: yeah, we just feel that we should be going the other way if we can.
0: Absolutely. yeah. So there's a couple of questions from Rachel and Susanna about exercise. They want to know if the exercise done in the blue zones are different based on the blue zones and did people exercise by themselves in groups? I'm guessing they just moved. It was part of their life. They didn't go to spin class.
1: You know, I'm going to say something disruptive. I think exercise is an unmitigated public health failure. You know, we've been pounding that dead horse for for 70 years and fewer than 15% of Americans get enough exercise in blue zone. They get plenty of physical activity, not because it's in their outlook calendar or they're showing up to the CrossFit gym. It's because every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat it occasions a walk, they have a garden out back, which they keep growing year round. They, 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 they haven't brought every imaginable mechanized convenience in their house to do their work for them. They're still doing, yard work by hand and kneading bread by hand. You know what a workout that can be. Doing uh, home housework by hand, moving around, uh, lifting their garage door up by themselves instead of the garage door opener. And that's another strategy in the Blue Zone Challenge. How to engineer into your life an extra 200 calories burn every day. Um, and that's how people in blue zones do it. And the advantage of that is not only a, do you do it every day? Like people don't do going to the gym, uh, people go to the gym, even people with gym memberships go fewer than five times a month, but number two, they keep their metabolisms higher because they're in moving all day long rather than sitting at their desk all day long and, you know, subscribing to the fiction that they're going to make it up at the gym afterwards. Yeah.
0: Are they on social media at all in
1: the blue zones? Mostly no, but sadly they're just about right behind us. I I was, I was just in Icaria about six weeks ago and people have handheld devices and iPhones, but I, I did notice they're not on them nearly as much as we are. You know, they'll do look at it once a day and, you know, they'll make a phone call, but they're still meeting every day at sunset and having a cup of tea or a glass of wine. They're sharing meals together. They're walking together. And uh, my fingers are crossed that they don't follow America down the rabbit hole of social media.
0: I know what you mean. So speaking of wine, Layla, who's watching live says, how does he feel about some of the whole food plant-based doctors who say wine is carcinogenic? I'm not trying to be challenging, but this is a point that does confuse me.
1: Yes, well, she's not wrong. But um, yes, there does seem to be an association between wine consumption or alcohol, especially heavy alcohol consumption, breast cancer and prostate cancer. But there's also uh, uh, it's just as strong an association between moderate wine consumption and lower cardiovascular disease. So you have to, you have to, I guess, choose, uh, you know, which one you want to favor. But again, with the exception of Lomalinda, I'm seeing people in all the blue zones drinking moderate wine with friends and with meals and making it into their 90s and even 100s uh, with, with much lower rates of cancer and heart disease than we do in the United States. So uh, my point is why deprive yourself of something uh, that you enjoy if there's no strong evidence that it's, uh, it'll necessarily um, kill you. And uh, I just wanna add quickly if you're not drinking no, I'm not advocating, you know, run out and start drinking. Uh, but if you're enjoying a moderate, you know, glass or two a day, uh, from what I saw in the blue zones, more power to you. Enjoy yourself.
0: Thank you. So here's a question from Julie. Go? Amongst the blue zones, what is the range of dietary fat intake percentage? And is it different in all the different blue zones?
1: No, it's about the same. You know, I have a book called The Blue Zone Kitchen where I I outline it, and it might be in the Blue Zone Challenge, but we did a meta-analysis with Harvard, uh, distilled 155 dietary studies done in all five Blue Zones over the past 80 years. And it's a moderate-fat diet. It's not a low-fat diet. 15 to 20% of their calories from fat. Uh, The vast majority of their calories are coming from complex carbohydrates, though.
0: Right. At one point, though, wasn't the Okinawan, Okinawan diet particularly low in fat? I remember like even seven. Yes. At, at one point.
1: Pre-1970, very low fat. Yeah. Um, really Canoa oil was introduced in the 70s, so they're using more canola oil. Yeah. which I, you know, I, I can't never get my fat. I, I'd be interested in what, what your opinion of canola because it used to be the healthy
0: oil. And now they say it's inflammatory. What do what you think? This is what I think. I wrote a book 10 years ago called Unprocessed. And I feel that if that we, we should eat fat from its whole food form, not seeds, avocado, nut butter. We don't need oil to make food delicious. We, we can use the whole food. Do you ever sauteed food? I do, in but oil. I I do it no not in oil. I do it in water. You can do it, you could even do it in wine, you can do it in vegetable broth. So I I I don't cook with oil and it cleanup's a lot easier, I'll tell you that.
1: Well, that's a very good point, yes.
0: Yeah, and you do save a lot of money actually. So yeah, it could be a good thing. And the cookware now really can support cooking without oil. So, you know, I've worked many years at the True North Health Center and they don't do any oil there. So it, it wasn't very hard. And also, also I use things like an Instant Pot, those, an air fryer. You don't need oil for those either.
1: You know, Instant Pot has changed my life. I make a Sardinian minestrone uh, every week. Um, I learned it from the longest lived family in the history of the world. Uh, nine siblings, their collective age was 842 years. Every day of their life, they had a lunch of this Sardinian minestrone. I have the recipe in the Blue Zone Challenge, by the way, um, with sourdough bread and a small glass of wine. That's all I need to know.
0: Do they they have pressure cookers in in any of the Blue Zones? I'm sure Loma Linda Yeah. yeah, They have
1: pressure cookers. They don't have Instapots, but the pressure cookers have been around for about 50 years. You know, and it's just that lid that you screw on and it's got the sort of regulator on the top that spins and hisses. Um, Yeah,
0: that's cool. So Bullion said that when you first went on a plant based diet, did you notice any difference either physically, mentally or spiritually just for yourself? Uh, I've certainly more energy and
1: uh, it's been really great for weight management. I weigh the same as I did when I was a senior in high school. And um, I was probably 30 pounds more in my meat eating days. So, but I also don't eat processed food either and uh, almost very little sugar. Yeah,
0: that so makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. they are not eating processed food for the most part in the blue zones. Here's a fun question from Rachel. Do people in the blue zones wake up naturally or do they use alarms?
1: They mostly wake up
0: naturally. Interestingly, in Costa Rica, they had two sleeps. They'd often
1: wake up and like four in the morning and, uh, you know, sweep their place or get breakfast, and Go back to sleep and then wake up in the sunrise. Um, but typically, you know, they were sundown, not much happens and then they go to bed. And then when sun comes up, then the, then the action starts. So they're early to bed, early to rise. Very Benjamin Franklin there.
0: I know they probably don't do like intermittent fasting the way it's taught now, but do they tend to eat more of their calories earlier in the day or do they? Yes. Yeah.
1: Breakfast, like a King lunch, like a Prince dinner, like a pauper. Um, interestingly, Okinawans often don't eat dinner. Um, but uh, and so they, they have a de facto intermittent fast. They're, they're not snacking at um, the Adventists have uh, and by the way, there's a new paper either out or about to come out that shows for weight management the best it seems the best uh, pattern is to have a breakfast around 10 in the morning no lunch and then a dinner around four and then that's it now Ellsworth Wareham who I profile that's the way he ate he, a he heart cardiac heart surgeon who was doing heart surgery until 97 Died at 103. I was at his 100th birthday, but he ate like that. He, he became a vegan after touching the, the femoral arteries of meat eaters, 50 year old meat eaters. And he said they were crunchy under, you know, he, you could feel the, the plaque. And meanwhile, vegan uh, arteries were supple. And that feeling, that crunch, right away, he quit eating um, meat after that. And uh, he had this dietary pattern, uh, one meal at 10, another one at four, then he quit eat, made it to 103. He was lucid. Uh, he was, you know, he really lived out the capacity of the human machine, which is, which is the realistic promise everybody uh, uh, that, that, that Blue Zones way can, can promise.
0: Well, I have such fond memories of him. I, when I had my television show a few years ago, he was a guest and he was just an incredible person.
1: Yeah, he's so smart and so kind, you know, people that can, I really carry him in my heart.
0: And, and my understanding is he might have been vegetarian from being in Adventist, but he didn't really go vegan until he was 50.
1: Yes, it was around 50.
0: And then he then yeah. got, got him another oh, more than 50 years. Here's a fun question from Susanna. When you moved in with the Okinawan centenarian, what was a typical day like for them? What did they do? What did they eat? How what did it? What was it like?
1: I have this very clear memory. So we slept on a tatami mat. A Tatami mat is maybe a four inch thick mat of reed. It's actually rice grass, kind of soft, but then you lay a very thin, fut- roll a very thin futon out over that. It makes a very comfortable bed. So we would roll that up in the morning. This woman was about four foot, eight inches tall. I write about her in my first book, The Blue Zones. I remember her sort of hobbling into the kitchen and uh, taking a stool and stepping on the stool so she could reach the sink. And then she kind of washed the dishes from the night before. And she had dentures. She pulled out her dentures and washed her dentures as she was washing the rest of the dishes, put them back in. And then she um, went out to her garden and spent an hour and a half in her garden or so, came back and made a vegetable miso soup for the both of us for breakfast. Uh, she, I remember her granddaughter, I guess it was a great great granddaughter, fourteen years old, came over late morning, um, and uh, had a visit. I remember she took a nap. She had a TV. She watched a little bit of TV. She had a favorite show. She did some reading. Um, you know, we ate dinner then at at. Um, she had some more friends come over. Uh, very common to do kind of a happy hour. She didn't drink, but they had tea at uh, five or six as the sun went down. Then she had her. Very small dinner. Um, and then, you know, was to bed soon after the, the sun went down. Very serene life.
0: Did you ever want to study people like like the Hadza tribes or those kind of populations? Have you ever had, had interest in doing that?
1: I've, I've spent time with the, the Hadzas or the Hunzas. Either one. The Hunzas, you know, they were they were thought to be a, a longevity hotspot. And that's been debunked. That's in Pakistan. Um, I've never been there because I know they don't really live a long time. But in East Africa, I spent a day with the Hatsas. I went on a hunt with them. They're they're one of the last hunter-gatherer tribes. And we woke up before dawn and followed these men who wore nothing but animal skins through the jungle. And they shot a little monkey and brought it back. It singed the hair off it, butchered it. I remember the little kids like chewing on the on the skin and um you know butcher and then they immediately just boiled the meat ate it right there um you know that was a way of they don't live long you know that's a tribe that life expectancy is probably 48 or 49 um but um you know i purposely for the blue zone found the longest statistically longest lived people because i wanted to mimic their behavior and um not, not so much the hunter-gatherers. Not that there's not wisdom there. It's just something different. Yeah,
0: that's great. I was just curious because I, I interviewed uh, Herman Ponsner about that. And they may not live very long, but but he says they don't have obesity. They don't have heart disease, diabetes, those kinds.
1: That's of things.
0: true. You know, you know yeah, and they have huge
1: microbiomes too.
0: It just seems that any population that doesn't eat processed food is going to be doing better than Americans that do.
1: That's right. Over yes, over like seventy percent of every processed food out there contains fructose. That's sure and so bad for you. It's uh, you know if if we had queer thinking politicians that looked at the data, they would put fructose and processed meat in the same category as as tobacco as something that ought to be regulated. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big, you know, I mean. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that it should be easy to get things that we know are bad for us. And there's so much advertising and the, these foods are sub, indirectly subsidized and they're making people's lives miserable and they're costing our country trillions of dollars. And, you know, you and I are paying for that exacerbated healthcare costs from the crappy food system we live in. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Peter's asking, how has COVID affected the blue zones?
1: Well, COVID is, um, life expectancy in America has gone down about a year because of COVID. I mean, it's, you know, we've, it was going up uh, pretty constantly uh, since about 1900 and now it's dipped. It hasn't dipped as much in the blue zones for several reasons. Number one, older people are considered a treasure and they're really protected. They're not, uh, sent off to retirement homes, which were big COVID, you know, um, um, Hotspots, um, they they get vaccinated. Um, they you know they have better public health than we do. Their their public health isn't as um, influenced by politics as our public health is. So the scientists are are uh, running the day in, in blue zones, and um, and and um, most of the people who die from COVID have a pre-existing uh, chronic disease. And people in blue zones have a fifth the rate of chronic disease. So they're not so they're faring relatively well compared to, you know, Houston or L.A. or America.
0: Evelyn says other than the five blue zones that you talk about in your books, have you discovered any more?
1: There might be one more,
0: um, but I won't announce
1: that until I'm sure. But I don't think there are. I mean, besides that one, they're all gone. And that's because of globalization and the standard American diet. Anywhere you have development, you have McDonald's and Coke and and Pizza Hut. And as soon as those places come in, they destroy any longevity advantage the place would have had.
0: I could have sworn I heard Dr. Milton Mills talk about one that he thought was a blue zone, but I can't remember where it was. So I will text you.
1: Well, the thing is, I mean, I work with John Gianni Pess, Michelle Poulon, and I developed the concept, and we also developed the the, the measurement. And uh, I can tell you that I, there's a few more that you know people are interested in having whatever pet region. Uh, but before we name a blue zone, we do deep demographic work. Uh, we not only find it in the census data of that country, but we also go confirm it. And um, um, you know, it's, it's, there's no more, even if he says there's not another one.
0: That's interesting. Here's a nice comment. Thank you, Dan, for the amazing work on the Blue Zones. I'm looking forward to your book and your documentary. The link to buy is right below. So just click on it. One of the things I enjoyed about Oh,
1: no, not again. No, 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 don't worry, oh, don't
0: worry. Oh, you scared me. Oh, my God. You just like giving people heart attacks, don't you? <laughs> ha, 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 ha. That Because I didn't even get to say goodbye. I just really just had basically one more question about the power nine. So in power nine,
1: those are the nine common denominators that you see in all blue zones. And very roughly speaking, as they live in places where that. Um, uh, they move naturally instead of exercise. They have sacred daily rituals like prayer, meditation, and taking a nap to reduce stress and inflammation. They have vocabulary for purpose. They eat mostly a whole food, plant-based diet. They drink a glass or two of their favorite beverage. They have strategies to keep from overeating, um, like eating a big breakfast and no dinner. Uh, They put their family first, they tend to belong to religion, and the most important is they pay really careful attention to the four or five people they have in their immediate social circle, because we know that health behaviors are measurably contagious. So if you're hanging out with people who are eating wieners and uh, barbecuing hamburgers and sitting around watching TV, that's what we tend to eat and do. Whereas if you're hanging out with the AJ, chef AJs of the world who know how to make plant-based uh, cooking taste good and hang out with pickleball players who care about you on a bad day, that's all going to be contagious and it's going to measurably add years to your life.
0: Yeah. Well, here, here's interesting questions from Randy and Peter. Randy, <laughs> asks, do you think that the younger generation in the blue zones will live as long as the older generation? And Peter similarly asks, what's the future of the blue zones? Are they also doomed to extinction?
1: I think sadly they're doomed to extinction mm-hmm. uh, extinction in that they'll start looking more and more like America when it comes, unless something is done. Now it's in some of the blue zones, like the, the Adventists, they're still big believers of eating whole food plant-based and they're somewhat protected. Um, the Icardia and Sardinia and, and Nicoya, they've actually made sort of, um, almost parks, they, they're that sort of a conservation region where they're really honoring uh, the practices. And so they're, they're doing something to preserve, it, especially taking care of the older people. Unfortunately, they're letting the fast food restaurants come in, which are will destroy it. Uh, Okinawa sadly is gone. It's no longer a blue zone. Um, the important thing to remember though, is we captured the blueprint. Uh, we captured the blueprint. Uh, we know exactly how they ate, what they did. It's chronicled very clearly in my Blue Zones books. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but we've worked in 54 cities to to reshape these cities in the image of a, of a Blue Zone. And in every one of them, we lowered the obesity rate and raised the life expectancy. So, um, you know, we, we, we have it and it's not extinct. Uh, we just need to um, focus on changing our environment, keeping people healthy in the first place, rather than uh, spending all the money trying to clean up the health mess after we've been eating crap and being not moving enough for, for decades.
0: I believe, wasn't Redondo Beach one of the cities you worked with? Because I could have sworn I went to an event there. It was. Yeah.
1: It was. You know, Redondo, Hermosa, and Manhattan Beach, the beach cities were one of, they were our second, third, and fourth blue zones. And by the way, in those cities, the obesity rate dropped 15%. We had, 15, we had 1,900 fewer obese people after five years than we did when we started. So I was very proud that, that this approach really does work.
0: That is fabulous. And here's a question from Gene. Are there any groups that are consciously trying to create their own blue zone? The Adventist Health System, Are
1: all the hospitals of the Adventist Health System you know, by the way, 1100 of the uh, employees of the Adventist Health System took the Blue Zone Challenge recently. And they, on average, they lost uh, almost four pounds in a month. And uh, they're actually Blue Zoning all the city that their hospitals are, are located in. So um, cities of Fort Worth, uh, uh, Texas, Naples, Florida, the whole island of Hawaii, there are some really enlightened healthcare systems the Blue Cross Blue Shield plants are really starting to embrace a blue zone approach. So it's
0: getting traction. Why, why blue, though, Dan? I would have thought it would be the <laughs> green zone. I would have called it the green zone plants, you know?
1: It all goes back to a, a, a little known researcher named Gianni Pess, who in Sardinia uh, noticed this phenomenon. He was going through census data in Sardinia and making a little check mark on a map wherever he found a centenarian. And in these six villages in the Noro province, he found so many centenarians that his map was just a big blob of blue check marks. And he started calling that the Blue Zone. And uh, his, his name inspired me to, to uh, ex- expand the concept to five places around the world and the movement it is today.
0: Nice. So I've heard you talk about the concept of Harihachi-boo but how do you know you're 80% full? Cause I don't, I either feel, you know what I mean? Like I can't figure out what 80% is. I'm either full or I'm not full. I don't know what that 80% feels like.
1: I think um, in Okinawa anyway, they pay enough attention that they sort of know what's gonna mostly fill their belly and not overfill. And most of that is takes place uh, in pre-plating the food. So, um, instead of platters of food and conversation, kind of forget you know what we're doing. We just eat mindlessly. They'll put that um, you know medium sized portion in a plate, uh, and then they'll put the leftovers away ahead of time, and then they'll eat until that eat slowly until that food is gone, and then that's it. And that's how they achieve it.
0: Wow, that, you know, instead of a food line for blue zones, maybe have a like some blue zone restaurants pop up everywhere.
1: I love the idea. I, it'll come AJ, it'll come. We have Blue Zones approved restaurants in the cities we work with, but, so. Um,
0: here's a question, and I'm, I've not been to any of the Blue Zones except for Loma Linda. So were those warmer climates, all of them, were any of the Blue Zones colder climates?
1: No, and it, you, it's a, that's a good observation. Blue Zones are at about the 20th degree uh, latitude. So we don't see them in tropical areas. And, and I believe the region, reason that is is because of infectious disease in tropical areas. But they're in the sort of subtropical areas where you're not beleaguered by the malaria and dengue. And, uh, but also uh, you have three growing seasons. Uh, people are outside all year round getting good sunshine. Um, you know, we had I saw a very good map in Japan, a centenarian map, And in the northern extreme of Japan, very few centenarians. And as you got south, the concentration of centenarians exploded. And a couple of reasons. One is uh, in the north, they tend to eat more preserved meats and pickles, which aren't all that healthy for you. In the south, it's gardens. Uh, In the south, they had three growing seasons. And in the south, they had constant access to sunshine. So there is an advantage to living in, you know, where you live in California and where I'm living in Miami right now. Um, but um, I have to warn you, there's a chance I'm going to lose you. In a I'm
0: going to actually season. say goodbye. The last question is, do you think it would have been possible to replicate or find a blue zone in a colder climate?
1: Yes, it is possible. I mean, you can you can take a city and raise its life expectancy by moving a lot of these things. And the and key is making streets not for just automobiles, but for humans. You can raise the physical activity level of a full 20% by making bike lanes and sidewalks and cleanup parks. Uh, you can um, limit the number of fast food restaurants in your city. there's a direct correlation between the number of fast food restaurants and the obesity rates, as there are the number of junk food billboards And obesity are highly correlated. So there's lots of ways to mimic what we see in blue zones uh, in in, uh, in, in northern or southern latitudes. So, um, you know, the the traditional blue zones were limited by uh, unconscious evolution. We have the ability to take the science and the presence of mind to put it to work. And it's just the, it's now just the resolve to, to go forth and do that.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Dan. Other than get your new book, which is already a bestseller, and we hope to make it even more of a bestseller or longer on the best-selling list, any way we can support you? Do you like people to follow you on Instagram or where do you hang out? Yeah, I, I love that. Thank you for asking. So I'm at Dan
1: Butner, and um, I, I. If any questions that I wasn't able to answer with you, I'm very happy to answer them. I'm good at it. If you just direct message me. Uh, I will answer your questions. And uh, I every single day, both on TikTok and uh, Instagram, I uh, release new longevity secrets and would love to have you follow me. And AJ, I just want to say what a beautiful pe- person you are. You're so generous with your time and your talents. And I, I want to thank you for for you and thank you for sharing your audience with me in all sincerity.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for those kind words. And really, thank you for your work. It's just, I find it so interesting. It's just so helpful. And thank you for being plant-based because without this work, you might still be 30 pounds heavier eating meat. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And I live on the beach
1: now. So it's important when I take my shirt off that not too much falls out. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people
0: don't know you, you, you've won. I mean, you have a whole career as an athlete. I, it doesn't come up a lot, but that's, that's pretty impressive.
1: I have three world records in cycling, but that was a half a lifetime ago. That's but now, now, now I ride my bike to Whole Foods.
0: Oh, good, that's <laughs> fantastic, and so where we're, they'll soon be carrying the Blue Zone food line.
1: Here we, fingers crossed.
0: That sounds great. I can't wait for the documentary. Thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate your time and your work. Thank you. and they- And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 1 p.m. when my guest is Dr. Elizabeth Fontaine. She's going to be talking about plant-based diet and women's health. Again, so great to see you, Dan. Take care.